Hi, I'm Mark Fontaine and you're listening to a brand new episode of The Service Design Show. This show is all about helping you to uncover what's beneath the surface of service design. What are those hidden things that do make a difference between success and failure, all to help you design great services that have a positive impact on people and business. And this episode is another podcast exclusive just for you. Now, being a service design professional means that you'll probably run into many situations where your way of thinking clashes with how companies work and are organized. Just think about the focus service designers have on creating value for people. Well, organizations usually think about extracting value from the market or how service designers like to work out in the open and be messy while organizations appreciate structure and predictability. And I'm sure you'll be able to name a few of these glaciers of your own. So yeah, it's no surprise that this different way of thinking leads to tension, friction, and sometimes frustration. And the longer these tensions stay floating up in the air, unspoken about and not dealt with in a proper manner, the more likely it is that they will lead to catastrophic failure one day. And you know what? The weird thing is that everyone feels that these tensions are here. It's just hard to make them tangible and really understand where they are coming from. Well, our guest in this episode today is attempting to do exactly just that. David Dunn is a professor at the University of Victoria in Canada. And over the past years, he's been looking into these tensions between design and the way business works. By doing interviews with designers and non-designers, trying to understand what's really going on, he's identified six double binds. And double binds are exactly these tensions you find yourself in as a service designer where you'll encounter conflicting messages. In this episode, you'll learn about these six double binds and what you can do to make sure that they don't prevent you from delivering your best work. If this topic sounds familiar to you, well, you're a good listener of the show because in episode 134, we had Chris Ferguson on as a guest who also talked about double binds. But today's episode takes a slightly different angle on the topic. So even if you've listened to episode 134, make sure you stick around for this one as well. This episode is inspired by the conversation we recently had in our Circle community. The Circle is an intimate community for busy in-house service designers who want to grow as a professional. We get together once every month to share stories, failures and best practices from people who get their hands dirty actually doing service design on a day-to-day -day basis. The Circle is a place for the much needed reflection on your practice, which I found many in-house service designers struggle with when they are chasing to-do lists and live by the moment. If you're an in-house service designer who wants to connect with and learn from other peers, I would invite you to join us in the Circle. For all the details on how to apply, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle. You'll also find the link to the circle in the show notes of this episode. That about wraps it up for the introduction. Now, the only thing left for me to say is let the show begin. Welcome to the show, David. Hi, Mark. Hey, good to uh, hear you uh, on this special podcast episode. Uh, we're doing uh, circle number six uh, again. Uh, so we're going to dive into a really interesting topic. 
Um, but before we do that, David, uh, some people might haven't uh, Googled you yet, looked you up on LinkedIn, and might be curious, uh, who has David done? Could you give a brief sure. intro? Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a business professor and at the University of Victoria on the west coast of, of Canada. In the past, I actually have taught at uh, the Rotman School in Toronto and worked with Roger Martin there. Um, I have a, a background in in business going way back in with Unilever and I was an innovation manager with Unilever. So uh, innovation design and also marketing and advertising been very much part of my background. Hmm. Awesome. And you are uh, well connected to Chris Ferguson. Indeed, we're old friends. So, <laughs> so Chris, uh, Chris and I met through Rockman. Uh, so I, uh, I've done a number of projects with them and co-taught with them. And we've been guest speakers for each other and uh, worked quite closely together over the years. Hmm. And uh, Chris was a guest on the show. I ha had to look it up, but episode 134. So that's not uh, too long ago. And mm -hmm. we covered the topic of double binds. And that's yeah. all also the topic of today. And now people might be curious why again and why a different person. Uh, for one, you're working with Chris on this topic, correct? Yeah. I am. That's yes. I mean, there are three of us. There's Chris and uh, Paolo Corey and myself, and we've been working on this for uh, a couple of years now. And we've done pretty extensive research around uh, North America and other parts of the world uh, with designers and with managers. And what we're really dealing with is, you know, what's what are the the disconnects, if you like, that happen between designers and managers, and how do they play out in a real world situation, and what can you do about them? Hmm. And uh, so that's the link to, uh, to Chris and Paolo. And um, we had a circle session in our circle community on double binds and uh, you co-facilitated it. Uh, and that was uh, sort of the uh, um, excuse to get you on this episode. Chris said, let's uh, uh, let David uh, have the honor to do this uh, mm -hmm. episode. <laughs> and um, for the people who haven't... Um, listen to the episode with Chris. That's okay. We'll uh, start with double binds from the start. If you did listen to that episode, uh, you might want to skip forward, I don't know, one or two minutes, uh, because then we're going to dive into the actual content of the Circle episode. Um, but yeah, David, um, let's start with, with sort of the first question. Uh, and I remember from my conversation with Chris, I had no idea what double binds were. It wasn't in my vocabulary. Uh, now it's a little bit more, but for the people who are listening and have the same uh, ignorance as I have around double binds, yeah. could you... Uh, what is it? What are double binds? Yeah. So the terminology might be might be a bit strange and might be a bit new, but uh, the you know the, the the phenomenon, the fact of it is is very familiar to designers, and that's the the idea that uh, if you're in an organization uh, that is promoting design very often at the same time as they're promoting design and singing its praises, they're actually undermining it. And and that's that's where you sort of get caught in this in this uh, as, as we say this double bind this situation that seems really difficult to uh, to reconcile and to get out of. And how did you get involved uh, in this topic? Uh, well, I I mean that goes back to my my book in uh, twenty eighteen. I, I uh, wrote a book called Design Thinking at Work when I uh, went around and looked at. Because I, I had, as I say, I've worked with Roger Martin in the past, and I've, I've been one of those 
who've been singing the praises of design in business. And yet, when I started going around and talking to design labs around the world, I started to find that, uh, well, things were not quite as idyllic as some of the articles in Harvard Business Review and so on tended to tended to suggest. And that's what design thinking is work at work is all about. And so this arises out of that and it actually deepens that work and, and really sort of starts to look at, uh, you know, what are the, how can we just get really clear about it? And then how can we deal with it? Hmm. Uh, so uh, you've been in into this topic for quite some time. Um, mm -hmm. Why is it an important topic to you? Out of all the things that you could be studying and looking at, uh, what makes you motivated to deepen your knowledge about double binds? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm. I'm. Uh, I mean, where it, where it comes from is that, and I, I would share this with Chris and Paolo. We're all big believers in design. We're all very passionate about uh, about the potential of design and the ability of design to get people thinking different differently in organizations, and particularly about in innovation, but not restricted to that. So, so that's uh, so because we believe in it, and we also believe that businesses are looking for business and governments are looking for different ways of thinking because the problems that we're facing are just way more complex than they than they ever have been so we see we see a you know there's a clear pathway through not necessarily clear but there's a there is a pathway through some of these big problems and yet we find routinely that uh, organizations are just sub-optimizing they're, they're you know they're they're shoveling off design into a corner or they're they're you know evaluating it by criteria that don't make any sense and that kind of thing so so it's really because these things are an obstacle to what we think is has great potential for problem solving that, mm. that, 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 that I'm interested in yeah yeah so it's it's about unleashing the the full potential of design when we are yeah that's a that, yeah. thank you that's a, that's a way more positive way of putting it than I have so <laughs> it it really is it's about because uh, yeah it's the we've talked obviously about wicked problems and uh, you, you're you're not going to be able to to address those unless you have mindsets as well as methods and I'm sure mm. we'll get into the whole mindset thing in a moment mm. and. Um, before we get into some specific double binds, which we will, I'm curious um, if you found that, is this specific to design? Uh, sometimes I feel like we're the only ones struggling or having these challenges, but is that true? I think the bigger picture is uh, creativity in organizations, right? So, so it's um, essentially that the creative process works on very different pathways from a lot of the way that organizations work. Organizations are built to do more of the same thing over and over again, and a designer or a creative person wants to upset that, and that's what that's what kind of happens. Yeah, yeah. I I recently had this conversation on the show uh, and asked the question: Is um, is is creativity or design and management even compatible? Like they are striving mm -hmm. towards different goals like like you said management is about scale it's about efficiency it's about lowering price stuff like that and um, design is much more about exploring the unknown and figuring figuring out what the right thing is to do rather than doing it cheaper yeah and the question is like are they are they compatible can they coexist in one 
organization. Well, you know, to. they're in some way. Yeah, I mean, they have to. They're they're oil and water, but you can mix oil and water if you just stir hard enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but you do. In fairness, you do see plenty of evidence of organizations that are creative and uh so you know you've got the pixars of the world you've got the you know teslas and and all of this kind of thing so there's plenty of uh, there there are organized organizations out there that do it and there are governments out there that that do it so i think what we're trying to do is raise the bar for everybody hmm. now um Maybe it would be an interesting moment to just briefly give some examples of double bind so that people can uh, grasp the concept more tangibly. Uh, could you share a few just uh, at a high level? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we work we're, we're these days we're talking about about six of them and a very obvious one is um, what's called the what we call the epistemology bind. And that's uh, and that is that designers come from a, a world in which uh, knowledge is is something that's created created through storytelling and qualitative research. For a lot of managers, numbers are all that matter. So if it ain't got a number, it doesn't it doesn't exist. Uh, so that that would be that would be one of the of the binds we 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 talk about. Um, there's a really nice example that I came across at a healthcare organization um, when I was writing my my first book. Um, and that was the word, that, and it was a language thing, the word experiment, so that the, um, uh, and this was a research-oriented uh, hospital, and the, uh, the designers would say, well, yeah, let's, let's experiment, by which, mean, by which they would mean, let's try something, right? um, whereas the doctors and the scientists on the staff, for them, an experiment is a very, very specific thing. It is placebo-controlled, double-blind, it is always quantitative. And so they're they're really talking very different languages because they're coming from different knowledge bases. So that would be one. Another would be um, the the idea of scope and marginalization. So the idea that that uh, design essentially, if you do it well, is everywhere in the organization. It's not just sort of uh, tucked off into a corner. And we've had uh, you know, situations where, where people will say, well, if I want a puppet show, I'll go to the design guys because they're used as the entertainment and, and that kind of thing. So that, so that design can be trivialized a lot in, in organizations. So there, there, we've, we've got about six of them. Would, would you like me to go through all six? Or no, let's, we, uh, let's, let's, yeah. well, well, let's take a break and uh, sure. dive into the other ones. Uh, uh, in a bit. Yeah. Um, now, maybe uh, somebody is listening right now and thinking like, okay, I recognize these two, but um, how do you, how would you define um, a, a double bind as in, how do I know I'm actually in a double bind? Can I, are there, are there signals that give it away? Yeah, well, it, it becomes very obvious. I mean, in uh, probably the biggest uh, signal is marginalization. So it's it's that you get to work on a, a lot of small things. You get to do a lot of innovative or incremental innovation without really sort of uh, addressing fundamental things. And I, in fact, I, that what happens a lot in organizations is that designers are really struggling to get legitimacy. And in, in order to do that, they'll take on small projects but they'll never stop doing small projects. Mm -hmm. And and so that, so marginalization yeah. would be one big signal of that. Mm. And I'm just firing the questions away at you because this yeah, topic yeah. Also, also inspires me a lot. Now, yeah. 
one one thing I see is when people get into a situation like this, uh, an immediate response could be like anger, frustration, um, uh, like um, us against them mentality. How do we how do we prevent not falling into that trap? Because I that's probably not the most uh, uh, yeah, the best con uh, creative contributing thing you can do. Yeah, well, it's that's a really it's a really good question because in a, in a different way it applies on the management side of things. So it, it is something that that that, that cuts both ways. Um, and what we what we feel I, I think is the the most important thing is to get these things out on the table and and to start uh, and to start uh, talking about them. Mostly, I would say from a design perspective, it's. Um, you you know use your use your your design methods right uh, use your the openness and the empathy that come with design and start thinking about uh, you know you've got you've got managers around you you've got engineers around you and they are all under a whole bunch of constraints they 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 find you know that they, they have to meet certain results in order to do their jobs so really understanding their world as you would if you were researching users and really understanding the, the issues that they're facing will help a lot so these are their patterns but they're not necessarily about individuals right so i think the mistake we all fall into is to say well this is this is a bad situation there must be somebody to blame but what's to blame is essentially the collective and the system and uh, yeah and the way out is to better understand the system yeah mm -hmm. exactly yeah, yeah. And, and if it's if it's quote unquote that easy why aren't we doing it more well it's not easy <laughs> and yeah, so I what's mean, the hard we, thing about it yeah yeah well the hard thing the hard thing is that we are in a period of transition in organizations, um, in business organizations, as well as government organizations. But let's focus on business. Um, a few years ago, the Business Roundtable, which is a, a high profile group of, of CEOs of top companies, came out with a, a very significant statement that said business, we don't believe that business is just for maximizing the returns of shareholders. We believe that uh, there are responsibilities to planet and community just as much as there are to shareholders. And others like the Michael Porter of Harvard have come out and said this, uh, you know, the um, uh, Mark Carney, the former governor of the Bank of England, has, has said this. So there's a there's a transition happening in business, and certainly the leadership at the leadership level in business, and to an extent in, in politics as well. There's a fairly clear sense that we need to to that something is broken. We need to fix it. Uh, the the challenge is that uh, it's one thing to say that if you're a CEO, it's quite another thing to realign the, the a massive machine like Unilever or Procter and Gamble and to change people's incentives and people who've been work, working for 40 years in one way and get to work in a different way that's not an easy thing to do so i think that's so part of the disconnect is that business has been changing but it hasn't really caught up with itself hmm. um that that um, that doesn't uh, sound really hopeful. If you're a designer, you either have to have a lot of patience, or you have to find an organization who uh, is already structured that way. Or are you seeing what are some? Let, yeah, let me rephrase this as a question. What are some uh, things 
how do how do we get out of this? <laughs> so imagine you mm -hmm. are at Unilever or another company where you're feeling this tension, where you're feeling these double binds, uh, and know that this uh, transformation process will take some time. Um, but and rather than getting frustrated, you want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. What are what are some practical steps forward? And uh, this differs based on the uh, specific double bind, but is there a sort of a high level process? Um, so, you know, as part of our writing, we're, we're developing and we're, we're, we're seeking solutions. So if any of your listeners have got some interesting contributions they want to write in, we'd be more than happy to receive them. However, in, in terms of general principles, um, Getting stuff out in the open is probably the biggest thing that uh, that that we would would talk about. So so this stuff happens under the surface. Uh, so people, for example, you know like this experiment thing that I that I talked mm -hmm. about, people are going going through their daily lives not really aware that they're meaning different things when they're saying things. Mm -hmm. So getting it out on the uh, uh, on the table is very important. Using, as I've said, um, the empathy and openness that you've developed as a designer. And so in terms of practical tools, um, well. Uh, workshopping is one big thing that designers do all the time, and one of the one of the cool things that uh, came up actually in the in the circle that we did uh, the 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 um, session that we facilitated a few weeks ago was this idea of a, an ignition conversation, so that then as you start a project getting everybody together and, and, and saying, okay, well, let's, let's now talk about this and let's get some of these real issues on the table in terms of difference of language. So I think we, I mean, the, the whole reason we're doing this is that we know that these things are out there, but they're just not talked about. So if we can get out and start, start making people aware of them, we know that designers have got the ingenuity now to, to sort of run workshops and develop uh, methods and approaches for dealing with them. Yeah, that's the easy part. Sort of, yeah. right? Once yeah. you know what the right question is and yeah. understand where the problem is and uh, what you're doing is making uh, making these challenges tangible, labeling them and giving us a language so that we can th talk about them. Exactly, yes. Hmm. What has been um, the most challenging part for you in this process to uncover these double binds? Um, it's actually not been particularly challenging when we talk to designers because they know them. They're they're, they're there and they they deal with them every day. And so so all we've uh, done is to say we've done a you know a, a classic uh, affinity clustering exercise where we said oh yeah these are the things these are the patterns of the things that are coming out. The bigger challenge I think is is on the management side um, because the because managers um, they they don't have the same understanding of design that uh, that designers obviously do and so that then some of these patterns are not as obvious to them and so so as we talk about as we talk about this we're increasingly going back to managers and trying to sort of uh, see how this looks from their perspective and we're, we're making a bit of progress with that too hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how they, um, which narrative they have around the situation that's going on. Like, do they feel the same tension as we in the design community do? Yeah. 
Well, everybody's different, of course. I mean, so there, there are different kinds of managers out there and there are lots of there are lots of managers who love design and they really want to make it work. So uh, so this will be, you know, this this set of ideas is very is very interesting and, and refreshing for them. There are many more who um, understand them, understand the methods of design. I, I wouldn't say necessarily understand them to the level that designers do, but they, they know how to do a journey map. They know how to do a, a persona, that, 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 that kind of thing. So they're at that level. And what they, what they uh, are not seeing is the thinking that underlies all these things, the mindsets that under, that underlies it. And so as a result, we believe there's a degree of frustration on the management side too, which is that we're trying all these design things. We're doing this design thinking and it ain't working and we don't quite understand why. And so the, and so that's where we're, we're, I think, filling the gap, which is to say, well, the reason it's not working is that you're actually approaching this from a very different premise. And so, the, so that's a, a really interesting message. Now I've been teaching this stuff in business schools for uh, Oh God! You know, 10, 15 years now, and that's this is exactly the thing that 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 happens. That that the students and I teach a lot of executives. They'll get the methods. They understand the methods. Where they really stumble is on the the thinking side of things. On you know the openness, the empathy, different ways of of seeing things. And so, what I get them to do, and this I I would recommend this as a way forward too, is to reflect. So I make them write papers to, 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 to say, just short papers to say, here's what this means to me. And you start pushing them towards meaning. And what, what is, you know, when, when I talk about um, uh, user ethnography, what, you know, as a manager, what does that mean to me? Well, I'll send them out and they'll, they'll interview people and they'll start to see that they're approaching the situation with all kinds of blinders, all kinds of biases, and that they, uh, you know, and that they really need to check themselves and reflect on, on their own position as much as the position of the user. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something about mindset at the start. I think this already yeah. hints upon this. Um, and something uh, that I'm not sure you've mentioned explicitly, but what I hear in your story is <clears throat> the way we close the gap or sort of um, help people who aren't trained as designers experience the value is by letting them go through these experiences. Yes. Uh, and th that's, um, I'm a big fan of the liminal thinking uh, story from Dave Gray, where uh, I'm, I'm butchering it right now, but what I get out of it is like, your beliefs, your values are based upon the things you've experienced throughout life. And if we want to change those beliefs, we need to go through different experiences. And the good part here is that as a designer, you're in a very well-suited place to stage these experiences, to create mm -hmm. small prototypes where you let people do something where they get those aha moments. Because a lot of things in design, it, it's not like the theory, it, the rational part is easy. It's It's... Yeah. It's the emotional part. It's the meaning part that's that's challenging to convey through words. Yeah, and it's also you're right, and it's also the 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 humility and the reflectiveness to realize that you're going in with some assumptions that 
just may not apply. I've got a great example I'm talking later today about, which is a, an organization that was doing a survey into the quality of, of work life. And it was a construction company in Australia. And they did a survey, a quantitative survey. And they asked the question, um, please rate your work-life balance as you know, bad, very good, et cetera, et cetera. And when you think about that question, um, there is an assumption underlying it, right? And the, the, the assumption is that work is bad, life is good. The more life you can have, the better, uh, and the less work you can have, the better, which might fit in the construction industry. But it, there's a totally different way of looking at work, which is how about what if work was fun? You know, what if, what if we were really engaged by work and we didn't worry too much about you know, life, we would get life balanced automatically if we could, if we thought of if we were really engaged in our work. But you see, the point the people who wrote that question had no idea that they were making that fundamental assumption uh, as they were going into it. So that, that's what I mean, is that you need to be able to check yourself and to understand your own assumptions. That's what, and designers do that automatically when they're doing ethnographic research, because you have to, if you're going to listen to people, you, you're, you're going to have to put your assumptions, check your assumptions at the door. Hmm. Um, a few more questions are, sure. that are on my mind. And uh, you mentioned already um, basically three of these double binds, epistemology, the scope, or uh, maybe uh, uh, also hinted a little bit upon the work style. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I mean, I, the the other the other work style was was one of them. Another one was about silos, and it's it's that designers tend to work across silos, and they run into si into silos within an organization as big barriers. Another one was risk, uh, different tolerances for risk, and what does risk mean uh, within organizations? And then finally, is business model. What are what are designers fundamentally trying to do, as and what are businesses trying to do? Which one is your favorite? <laughs> My favorite is the, ep the epistemology. Hmm. Uh, favorite is, yeah. And, and the reason is, and I always mention that first, and the reason is that uh, it, to me, it's just such an obvious one. And I, I, I come across this all the time when people say, well, how can you make decisions based on a sample of 10 or 20 consumers? Right? Classic, uh, yeah. Classic, you know, yeah. and it's it's just completely the wrong question. And, you know, I've come across it so many times that uh, I almost laugh when I hear it now. So, so yeah, what's your response nowadays? Um, I, I tell them it's, well, there are a couple of things. One is I tell them uh, ethnography is not a is not a numbers game. It really is more of a, a stories and narrative game. And what we're trying to do is to, to develop insights uh, rather than to develop something that's statistically uh, valid. The second part of it is I I will usually say that we're in the business of of generation here, generating ideas and hypotheses and and insights, and there will confirm it at a later stage. We'll we'll do mm -hmm. quantitative stuff to confirm it at a later stage. Do you think eventually your book will be more geared towards designers or towards managers? A super question. Um, we believe it will be both. I mean, and that's 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 not that's, fair. that's not yeah, yeah. that's not ducking the question. <laughs> but I mean, the, the fundamentally, what we are trying to do is to reconcile the two. So if we spoke only to designers, I think uh, we'd be we, we'd be making it actually more challenging for designers because they 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 need to understand the management side of things too. So um, we are, you know, on the on the management side. I think we need to tell them that, hey, 
you need to to sort of think about thinking a little more in terms of how you're thinking and approaching things and at the uh uh, on the design side that yeah we know you're frustrated um but there are ways you can deal with it so yeah, yeah. And, and it's uh like the the six you mentioned is already very good uh i think to have them explicit maybe to have a canvas or a poster and to be able to to have this conversation about things that everybody is already feeling like mm. we notice uh it's um it's that's a like, great that's a great idea by the way mark we'll, well, well it's do, it's based yeah. on your suggestion to make things yeah. explicit and out yeah. in the open yeah um uh because having again having the language around it is already so helpful uh and mm -hmm. even if you come to the conclusion that oh yeah uh, like on the business model aspect we're pretty much aligned around that it's good to have that check-in and on the other uh things um to, to make sure that, that there isn't any confusion or, uh, yeah, tension. Yeah. And there is, there will be. Yeah. I, I would say of the ones that, uh, that we've talked about, the business model one is probably the most challenging because you, if you come, if you come to a situation where you are fundamentally trying to do different things and there's no moving from that, then you're, you're in a, a difficult position. Right. And that might be a situation where you 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 say, well, OK, I, maybe I'll try another organization. Uh, what we uh, design and business only uh, work together if they see that there's common ground, if they see that they are trying to do something similar. And that's where you need to get to it. Mm. Yeah. And I remember from the conversation I had with Chris uh, was that uh, he mentioned something about designers becoming too much of managers like adopting too many things uh and let no uh, again rephrasing it letting go of too many things that make design valuable in order to sort of be accepted by the other side and that's not the thing that we're looking for here at no. least not what i'm hearing you say we we should find where these two things are complementary to each other and and work exactly. from there yeah exactly yeah, I'm just rephrasing all the things you, <laughs> you. Yeah, you're saying you, it much better than I could. No, no. <laughs> yeah. um, so we we had this uh, session in our SoCoral community of in-house service designers, uh, diverse group, uh, small intimate group. Um, I'm curious, what did you notice in the dynamic uh, of that session? Um, I well, one thing that we. Noticed and we've seen it before, but it, it was really powerful in that session. Was just affirmation, right? So that the people these the, these things once you articulated the binds, people saw them right away that they and they identified with them. So there was a huge huge amount of uh, of affirmation there, um, you know. And then the uh, we actually in that uh, circle session we gave them some scenarios and we said uh, you know develop a workshop around uh, around this and they they came up with some some really interesting ideas there was one in particular around ignition conversations that we'll will uh, follow up on and that was the idea that when you start a project you you actually explicitly have a conversation about some of these things uh so so that i i you know i think we we found that really helpful um the uh the idea of getting things out on the table and actually talking about them 
that did resonate a lot with designers. They saw that that, that this stuff was just uh, just hidden, and it's a, you know it's like a bad marriage. Everything's unsaid, unspoken, and <laughs> as opposed to you know this is a bit like therapy, I suppose. You know? So th- that's one of the things that um, I would be curious uh, about, and might be on the minds of uh, somebody who's listening, like. Pu- Putting things out into the open could also stir up some things you might not want. It it could be a bit scary to say, um, I don't, I'm not sure, but it could be that uh, we have a different risk tolerance. Like putting these challenges on the table upfront, uh, like that 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 might seem risky to some people. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I can I can see how they would think of it as risky. Uh, I also think, though, that um, if you approach these things in a spirit of inquiry and not a spirit of saying, "Hey, I'm the right, I'm the one who's right," and I, I think we should be, you know, uh, creating flying cars or whatever, whatever it happens to be, because I, because I'm a designer. Um, if you approach it as, I, I'd, I'd really like to understand how you're seeing this situation and where, what risk means to you and, and in an exploratory method. I don't see a conflict there so long as we're, we're approaching it that way. I remember from um, when I was still doing service design projects uh, years ago uh, that we had these conversations at the start with our clients where we would say like, um, maybe you're different, but we've experienced in the past with other clients that these things tend to come up in projects. Uh, do you expect that we'll run into something similar? Like you can have this conversation based on the experience you've had before without yeah. uh, sort of implicating that it's going to happen in this situation. But yeah, I, I mean, it's there are two phases. I think one is genuinely seeking to understand and, and that that's not just paying lip service to it, it's really trying to uh, understand. And there's a point at which you can, once you've done that, you can say, that's interesting. Here's the, here's the way we might look at it and, and invite the same kind of empathy that you've demonstrated to the people that you're talking to. Uh, and usually that works. I mean, so long, if you've, if you've listened to them, they'll listen to you. Now, it seems like uh, you've established these six double binds. They seem to be crystallized pretty well. Um, are you done? Uh, we're never done. <laughs> we are, I mean, first of all, there's um, uh, there's a fair bit to do in fleshing those out, especially, I think, from, from the management side. We've talked mostly to designers at this point, we're, and we're still talking to, to managers. I think we, we have a fair bit of work to do there. We are, um, and we're refining those and seeing what, what is included under the scope of those. We've got labels, right? But as, as with anything, we, we have some examples, we have some stories, and we're trying to build our, 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 the stories that we have. Um, and the other thing is we're looking at, and this is this is where I think a call to your listeners is very helpful. We're looking at it where people have recognized these these things themselves and the kind of solutions that they're they're implementing to them. So we're continuing our work while we're writing our book. So it's uh, yeah. It's so continued. I I don't think at the moment of publishing this episode the double binds are 
described somewhere online or are they have you already yeah no yeah we're so, still working on it so yeah. yeah that's the other bit of work we do is got to get a website up and uh and, and put these out there yeah for now the, the reference is this episode and the episode with uh, chris ferguson uh if, pe if people want to dig a little bit deeper into uh, into that um so uh how can people reach out if they have some input or advice well, they can uh, they can reach any of us uh, obviously through through you. You have our contact information. My own information. You can find me on LinkedIn um, sure. as as David Dunn. I'm at the University of Victoria. Uh, that's probably the the, yeah. the best way to contact me. Um, I'll make sure that link is uh, in the show notes. Now, yeah. um, before we leave, I'm curious, which question is still left on your mind? What is the thing that's <laughs> is there is there yeah. Which question is there on your mind? Um, I think the the biggest question for me is um, is how do we navigate change, right? Because uh, all of this is to do with organizational change, and uh, and there's a whole body of work that people are doing around organizational change, and I'm dealing with 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 that as a as a uh, as a separate exercise. So so then how does how does design First of all, spark change in organizations, and then how does it? Uh, how can you manage change through through design? Those are the big questions that I have right now as we go through this. Hmm. And uh, where are you looking for inspiration around those topics? Well, I'm looking. I'm actually uh, a number of places, right? So one is that we're still we're continuing to talk to to businesses and governments about uh, about how design is is playing out. But the other thing is I'm, uh, and this is more of a personal thing that I'm doing on my on my own and reporting back to Chris and, and Paolo on, which is I'm working with uh, colleagues in the academic world who are who deal with organizational change. And and so and these are people who are approaching it from the human resources perspective and change management and, and this kind of stuff. And so that then and there's a fair bit of interest there in organization design and how do you and how do you use design methods to to deal with change? Hmm. I'll have our episode on organizational design really, really soon. Um, okay. Well, I wrote a paper on that. So <laughs> well, I, I wrote in the Journal of Organization Design about um, implementing design in organizations. You'll find it. Uh, you'll find it there. I'll send you the reference yeah, later. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll add the link there. Now, um, before we leave, what's the thing you hope somebody will take away after listening to this conversation? If they remember I, one thing, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of have more than one thing, but the the one thing is you're not alone. Uh, that these that these things are out there, and the the second thing that I'm going to piggyback on it is there are solutions, there are ways of of dealing with this. So don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not sure if that's going to be the title of this episode, but uh, definitely no, don't don't lose hope and uh, don't get frustrated. It's not worth it. Um, uh, yeah, just recognize the challenge and then uh, figure out the way forward. Other, others are others are facing this this thing, and and I guess as a bit of a plug for your for your. Uh, podcast for the circle as well sort of just being part of a community and recognizing that uh, others are going through the same thing is extremely powerful 
Yeah, and that's thank you for that. And that's the story I've also been hearing. And I think one of the things that drives people to join a community like mm -hmm. the circle is recognition and comfort. And uh, even if you don't get uh, immediate solutions right away, it's just somehow good to know that other people are going through the same struggle. Uh, like that, that already gives uh, gives hope. So if if people are Absolutely. interested in joining the circle. Uh, very welcome and the link to to that is also in the show notes david uh we have to wrap up this conversation about the double binds uh, i'll make sure to uh, keep an eye out on the progress on this topic i hope many people will okay. reach out with examples and if i can help through the service design show community um, i'd be happy to do so thank you for coming on sharing this story and sharing the progress uh so far it's been a real pleasure, Mark. I've very much enjoyed the conversation. So thank you for, for having me on. As you've made it this far into the conversation, I really hope that you enjoyed it and got something useful out of it. If you're an in-house service designer and would like to be part of these conversations in real time, consider joining The Circle. In The Circle, you'll be able to connect and learn from other in-house service design professionals. We've just had a session where we co-created our Circle community agenda for 2022, and I'm super excited about what's to come. If you're interested in joining, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle, and you'll also find the link down below in the show notes of this episode. Thanks again for tuning in to the Service Design Show. As always, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Keep making a positive impact. And I'll catch you very soon in a brand new episode of The Service Design Show.